the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. The year was 1971. All in the Family premiered on CBS. In the NFL draft, Jim Plunkett from Stanford University was the first pick by the New England Patriots. Apollo 14, the third U.S. manned moon expedition, landed on the moon and Alan Shepard hit the first golf ball on the moon. The NASDAQ stock market index debuted. The 26th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution lowered the voting age to 18. And the federal debt was $408 billion. Ah, old times. Oh, and one more thing. Dr. Phil Howard and a brave band of families started Valley Bible Church October 3rd of 1971. And uh, Phil, 45 years ago, uh, we start to get our age, it's hard to remember back 45 minutes, let alone 45 years. Yesterday I was young. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the program, and uh, congratulations first on this, uh, this landmark anniversary of Valley Bible Church. I know that you have seen God do some very amazing things over the course of the last 45 years. So take us back for a moment, if you would. I understand that it all began with God essentially calling you back home. Tell us about that. Uh, I was uh, going to a seminary in Fresno, California, uh, at the biblical seminary, a Mennonite seminary connected to Pacific uh, University. And uh, I was doing homework on a Thursday night. I was uh, studying with a marvelous Greek uh, pro- professor, uh, D. Edmund Hebert. And that Thursday evening, uh, it's as though God, I just had like an epiphany there, and God burned two verses in my heart, Revelation 3.8, Isaiah 54.17, no weapon would formed against me would prosper, and just uh, said, go back to where you grew up, I was headed for a church in the San Joaquin Valley. And just in that moment, uh, just changed the course of my life and direction. Told my wife, she cried because she didn't really want to come back. She was, this other place had a parsonage and she was expecting our second baby. And so the other offered no security. We knew nothing. I didn't know what I could rent, where I would live. I mean, it was like Abraham and get out of Ur, but God did show him where. But I just knew, come back where I was, uh, had been a sinner, you know, as a kid and didn't know Christ. 
go back and try to start a church. You grew up in the Richmond area, and of course, at that time, it's very different from what it is today. The so-called Iron Triangle there was really a focus of so much going on, of course, during World War II. There were the shipyards there, U.S. Steel. That was really a hubbub of activity, really serving as a feeder for the construction of many of the Liberty ships that helped fight the war. My, my folks, I was born uh, two blocks away from where they built those Liberty ships. Uh, I was born there in 44. My mother was a Rosie Riveter. My dad was a construction worker. I mean, I grew up in government housing in the Iron Triangle. That's exactly where I grew up. And coming home, when God led you to make that decision, as you point out, uh, you and Caroline were expecting your second baby. There was a tremendous sense of, gee, God, what next here? I mean, you you literally began this church ministry in 1971 with just a handful of people. I think 19 or 20 people attended the first service. And here you are 45 years later with a church that has a radio outreach ministry. You have over 2,500 people attending church every week. Could you ever imagine that God would do everything that he's done in the last 45 years? No, no, not not at all. I, uh, You know, if someone were to ask me, what is your primary vision? I would call it survival. Uh, you know, if I could just survive uh, this assignment. I remember I told my dad uh, I was going to start this church, and he asked me, he said, well, you, you've got a two-year-old, you've got a baby on the way, you don't have a congregation. You don't have a job. Uh, have you consulted the Ways and Means Committee? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you you told me you never heard of a preacher starving to death that knew how to pray. So I said, it's either going to go or I'm going to learn to sell insurance. I said, there's no need of representing a God that can't take care of a scrawny preacher. And he did the rest. Uh, it's so simple nothing really sophisticated about it. I know the big talk today is vision, mission. What's your vision? What's your mission? And I often tell people, you should ask Abraham that. You ought to ask Moses that. What was the game plan? What was the management by objective plan? The big thing was just try to keep up with God. Keep following God. Well, do you think we sometimes overcomplicate things because we're trying to almost treat the church like a business, meaning that uh, businesses, of course, they want to have a two-year, a three-year, a five-year plan. They want to talk about strategic growth and expansion, things of this sort. They come up with programs and operations to help accomplish all of that. And yet I wonder, in the simplicity of the gospel, I don't see anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus says, now, once your board has adopted the five-year plan... (laughs) Here's what you should do. Instead, it simply says, go and make disciples. Have we lost some of the power of the gospel because we have tended to overcomplicate what is so simple? Well, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I remember one time having an interview with Ron Ritchie when he was at PBC. uh, And uh, I was asking him, uh, I was writing a doctor's thesis on church government and planning. And we went out, and I said, uh, Ron, what do you think the key to Peninsula Bible Church's growth? And give me the uh, formula. I want the formula. And he said, you know what? I've studied the book of Acts for years, 
And the only thing I can find out is show up in the Holy Spirit. And he said, you can't beat those two. If you'll show up, and if the Holy Spirit's in charge, you'll be amazed at how plans will emerge, ministries will grow, and lives will be changed. And sometimes we're really just doing no more than organizing the chairs on the Titanic. You know, if you don't have direction, if you don't have God powering and overcoming all the obstacles, uh, we're just going through endless activity. But it's an old-fashioned dependence on God, the Spirit, and uh, it's not as much formula. I wish I knew more formula, but the one I have discovered the most is desperately depend on God, and He does the rest. And, you know, that is, I think, uh, not only a good watchword for the birthing and nurturing of a congregation, of a church, but it's also pretty good advice for day-to-day Christian living, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, walk in the Spirit. Uh, Dr. Walford, I, I had a friend that was with him in his last moments when he was dying, that president of Dallas for over 65 years, ready to go see his Savior. My friend leaned over him, and Dr. Walbert, his last words was, George, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. His last words. And I'm going to tell you, Craig, uh, I'm more concerned about overcoming the flesh and sin than building a big church, because only Jesus can build the church. Uh, I'm, I'm just wanting him to help me overcome all these seductive voices and temptations of this world. And, of course, at the core, as we speak about the application of this from a practical standpoint for our Christian faith, maybe the thing that has tended to, to drive more people away from the church than to attract them in has been our tendency to want to either overcomplicate things or get ahead of God or to ask the question, even, I think, in the flesh when it comes to the basics of salvation. Well, there's got to be more to it. It, it. it can't be as simple as just confessing with your heart, believing, and then accepting the work that Christ did on the cross. Clearly, there must be something here that you're not telling me when it comes to even the basis of salvation. It is so true. I mean, for for God to say, I'm willing to give you heaven at the cost of my son, I mean, uh, no human being would ever invent such an offer. Uh, I'll give you my best. Uh, one commentators said when we were at our worst God did his best and that's the cross in the middle of the carnage and chaos of a sinful world Uh, it's all about that I don't want to lose the message in the midst of the methods the methods uh, Warren Wiersbe used to say uh, methods are many principles are few methods always change principles never do and uh, we do not want to lose a message. Uh, we want to be contemporary, whatever that means, because in, in about six months we'll be outdated. You know, the, the pop charts will change more rapidly than we can change. But I think people sometimes, you'll hear people say, I lost my church. They don't sing what I used to sing. Sometimes they don't preach what I used to hear. And uh, how does the eternal have to be updated if you speak of things eternal it's always relevant 
Our visit today with Dr. Phil Howard. Of course, he is the senior and founding pastor of Valley Bible Church located in Hercules. A brief time out back to more of our conversation with Dr. Phil Howard as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the program. We continue our visit today with Dr. Phil Howard. He, of course, is the senior pastor and founder of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. By the way, they have a broadcast each Monday through Friday at 5.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. You want to check that out. Also tune in for their Sunday service at 8.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. And complete details available at valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We talked, Dr. Howard, about... Um, some of the inauspicious beginnings of Valley Bible Church and the uh, the um, series of sort of odd uh, misfit buildings and facilities that you found yourselves in down through the years. Your current location on Willow Avenue in Hercules, that in and of itself was an absolute miracle of God, was it not? It truly was. Uh, we kept looking for property because being a Bay Area boy, I knew property would escalate over time. So we started looking for property from the day I, I started. Had no money to buy anything, but I was eyeing property, looking at it. And we bought different properties, sold it at a profit, those kinds of things. But one day I had a, uh, uh, a deacon in a local Baptist church call me and say, Hey, would you like our property? Uh, we are going to buy something nearby. And over the years we've been having... Uh, uh, Easter offerings and things and had accumulated the money to buy the present property and so you just got to know because we went for 18 to 20 years without our own location just you know rental rental buildings and so uh, back in about 1990 uh, we moved into our first building on this campus and then in 2001, we moved into the second building, and it's no small thing to uh, have six acres here in this area, you know. I wish it was 10 acres, 15 acres, but we're, we're dancing that God gave us the six. As you look back over the last 45 years, uh, and I know this is almost an unfair question, but in terms of some of the most incredible things you've seen God do, what are the top one or two that come to mind, Phil? I think one of the uh, top things uh, that I love to tell about is uh, in those early days, uh, I had primarily young people, I'd say under the age of 24, maybe 23, a church full of young people, and I... I had this great vision that uh, we're going to raise the goal of $100,000 for this year to raise to buy property. And in those days, you know, being very creative, we erected the thermometer, put it up in the front of the church, <laughs> and, know you it know, well. a visual. Well, after you go 11 months and you can't even see anything painted out, and you're in the bottom of the bubble... And said, I thought it was supposed to go up. Said it is, but we came after eleven months. We might have been at five thousand dollars. So I'm supposed to announce that Easter, you know, the grand total that came in. Well, it was a laugh. Everybody's laughing. Says, Pastor got a little carried away. Big vision. 
a little carried away, Pastor. But time to hide the thermometer. <laughs> Put it in a closet <laughs> and, and bury the guy who came up with it. You know, so it, it was it was a laugh on me. Well, we came to that uh, uh, Easter service, and so everybody's waiting for the big announcement. And so I get up there and sheepishly said, "Well, you can see." The thermometer hasn't quite reached the goal, we said. And I said, but I would like to say that uh, I, I would like today present an offering to the church in light of it. And uh, I presented a check for $185,000 that uh, some young people had gone together and had given us. And so we almost reached 200000 Wow. And uh, young people, young people uh, put the money together, and that's what they gave. And uh, then in those days, uh, we went and put it in a savings account at Bank of America. And because of Jimmy Carter, we were paid 17% a year on the money. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> Those were the days. And that's the money that we bought this property with. Wow. That was an inc- just remarkable thing. And uh, then seeing all these young people get saved, i got to tell you this. I just saw the man this last week. We had a uh, young man. I was going to seminary in San Francisco, and uh, one of the guys I was going to school with was going to a very conservative church, uh, fairly strict. And he had met a guy, I guess, that he worked with, emaciated from drugs, uh, had been into uh, like voodooism, named a boy after a voodoo god, uh, had fathered a child out of wedlock, all of this. And he said, uh, Phil, uh, you know, I can't invite this guy to my church because I know that he wouldn't be welcome. Uh, I wonder, uh, he said, I hear you guys take about anything. I said, well, you're right. Uh, we were kind of like Noah's Ark. Anything that can get on board, we took. And uh, I said, sure, bring him over. Bring him over. Love to have him. And when I met him, his eyes were so sunken. Uh, the drugs had done their work. Uh, it looked fairly, um, it looked like a guy living off the streets. He was, he was in bad condition. Well, God saved him. God saved him. He initially started our tape ministry. And then he goes along, and he gets a burden for missions. And he comes to me one day, he said, Phil, uh, he didn't say Phil, he would call me pastor in those days. He said, uh, I'd like to go to the mission field. Uh, is there any chance that you think I can get there? And I asked him, I said, Robert, I don't know of any missions agency that would want you. You haven't gone to Bible college. You've got this child out here. Uh, you've come out of a drug culture. You're this, you're that. Uh, what What in the world could you do on the field? Why would you want to go, and what could you do? And he had just been reading the biography of J. Hudson Taylor mm. and other missionaries, and his reply was this. He said, Pastor, as I read the lives of these missionaries, they needed someone to carry water, and they needed someone to cut wood. I never thought I could be worthy enough to handle the Word of God, but could I wait on those who do? Wow. I tell you, I need a Kleenex. 
Mm-hmm. I, I said, Robert, with that spirit, you're going to go somewhere. And I'm telling you, he's in another church in our area, been a faithful deacon for now over 40 years, uh, raised a family, has been a servant, still goes to the mission field, goes to Africa, still pouring his life in trying to get Christ out, never became a full-fledged missionary. But I'll tell you this, he's still carrying water for the Lord Jesus. We've spent a lot of time in our visit today, Dr. Howard, talking about the past, the great things that God has done over the last 45 years of the history of your ministry and that of Valley Bible. Looking ahead, where do you see God taking you and this congregation? Well, I think it's a constant challenge to uh, be reaching the next generation. I was just asking some uh, pastors, I said, uh, give me a handle on the millennials. And their, their profound answer was, nobody's got them figured out. I said, thank you for the help. You know, I said, they couldn't give me any handles. That is the challenge. Can I think most of us churches, we can become an old folks home or a museum talking about what God did in the past. We need a fresh work of God uh, to reach these kids in front of us. They're under more pressure than ever. And so I hope that we will always have a pulpit that is burning to preach. Uh, there's three things they say to us uh, pastors of a church. They need at least two out of three things to be successful. They've got to be a communicator of the word. They've got to convince those people they care for them. And they need some kind of organizational ability. Well, my bent has always been to communicate and care and I've tried to hire uh, organizational men with strength and administration ability because I, I crave to teach the Bible because I've never seen anybody change that it didn't come from that book being taught, hopefully in the power of the Spirit. And so the future is to keep doing what we've been doing and be willing to adapt Jesus said, you've got to be willing to be poured into new wineskins so that, I say this, our, our packaging may have to look different, but you want the content of the gospel not to be diminished. So we've got to be willing to change, but know what not to change. And I said, keep the truth, keep the truth, keep Christ, keep the Word of God. But, hey, if we have to change the color of the building, we have to change some things that can change, change. But and sometimes people get set in their ways. They won't change anything. And so I, I think I want us to be willing to flex on everything that's flexible while clinging to the eternal. Dr. Phil Howard, founding pastor at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Sunday services are regularly at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. They're located at 1477 Willow Avenue in Hercules. The radio broadcast, Truth For Today, can be heard weekday mornings at 5.30 a.m. with a special Sunday broadcast, Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Complete details on the church, its ministry, and location and directions, simply go to valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
If you think about the history of mankind down through the millennia, you realize that mankind, in fact, has built a lot. We've built bridges and buildings, airplanes that touch the sky. We've traveled the seven seas. We've built rockets and gone to the moon, even cured diseases like polio. But for all that we have built and done, the one institution we did not create is marriage. We've rather messed that up quite a bit, in fact. And family, well, family's in trouble, too, much to the chagrin of its creator, very God himself. So what went wrong? And with all the abundance of evidence of what's happening to our society today because of what's happened to marriage, we offer some insights now as we're joined by the president and co-founder of Family Life Ministries. You, of course, hear the broadcast Family Life Today, weekday mornings at 8.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. Dennis Rainey. And Dennis, great to have you on the program. Great to be with you there in San Francisco. And Dennis, of course, we're looking forward to having you here in San Francisco for our 24th annual Pastors Appreciation Luncheon coming up on Tuesday, November the 8th. You can get more information about Dennis's visit by going to kfax.com. And we'll tell you more about that coming up a little bit later on in our conversation. Dennis, as you look at the landscape of what's happened to marriage here over the course of the last certainly 40-something years that you've been involved in the ministry of family life today, it just seems as if we're not only watching it fall apart at the seams, but we're also seeing the devastating impact that it's having on society. What's going on? Well, you know, I think it's a spiritual battle, Greg. I I, uh, I think there's a spiritual battle between good and evil. And uh, if God created it, and uh, marriage and family, and he did, and if there is evil, and there is, you can be assured if it, if it was God's first choice to create it's the enemy's first choice to attack. And if you look at the book of Genesis and how the, uh, the beginning of time uh, opens up, it, it begins with a marriage, and it, it, it shows uh, a serpent uh, attacking the marriage relationship and uh, getting them isolated from God and from each other. Uh, the serpent called the woman and the man to be your own God, and they, they took the bait. And uh, the rest is history. So we're really dealing with something that goes all the way back to the beginning. And I think, Craig, uh, today we shouldn't be surprised that marriage and family are under attack in some fresh ways because the enemy has all kinds of ways to distort the truth. And I like the point that you make out. If we had to distill it down to two very simple factors and kind of cut through all the minutiae of the statistics and, and whatnot, it really does come down to two factors. Isolation between the creation between mankind and God and isolation between husband and wife. And, of course, the results of that are devastating. You know, we get married for intimacy. Uh, we've all heard the verse that's read at, at weddings. Uh, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife are both naked, and they were not ashamed. We get we get married to, to be intimate, to have a, have a relationship. And yet, uh, frankly... Uh, I was just writing about this a bit earlier this morning. Uh, it's the one relationship on the planet, and, and you kind of touched on this in your beginning words there, Craig. It's the one relationship on the planet that we are not adequately equipped for to make it work. Marriage is between two imperfect people, and it's the most intimate of all relationships. And you don't just naturally become one. Um, 
it's interesting to me, to, uh, Craig, just what's happening in our country. Cohabitation today, the number of people who are choosing not to marry is at an all-time high. And cohabitation, even within the church and outside the church, is the number one choice that people are making for marriage preparation. And, you know, there was an order in Genesis chapter 2 that was very clear. Uh, it says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, they shall cleave to one another and then become one. But the problem is we've reversed the order. We're becoming one before we've made the commitment. And we wonder why this thing doesn't work. And I, I get it. I understand why people uh, want to short-circuit the, the cycle here. But God in his design knows how to make it work. And frankly, that's what we've been doing, Craig. You know this. For 40 years, Family Life has been equipping millions of people here in America and even more overseas in making this most intimate of all relationships go the distance. And, of course, that going the distance, that learning to, to make it work is really pivotal in, in relationship to the kinds of keys and insights necessary in order to give marriage a chance at working. I, I would liken it to, I say, Dennis, hey, let's you and I head off and uh, go take a trip. We're going to head across town here and go to lunch today. And we hop in my car and I just sit there behind the steering wheel and you say, well, Craig, aren't you going to start the engine? I said, well, uh, yeah, but I don't know how to. Well, um, and uh, well, here, I'll show you how to start it. And well, wait, you don't have any gas in the tank. Well, I didn't realize I needed any gasoline. And so suddenly we decide we're going nowhere because I don't know how to make clearly this car work. And I, I think of the number of marriage relationships, um, and, and you made reference to this, Dennis, the fact that we've seen not only a soaring divorce rate, uh, pretty steady of late at 51%, but the marriage rate amongst millennials uh, dropping a staggering 20 points just since 1960. And those, of course, that are marrying now, the millennials are getting married later and later in life. And more often, they like to see if they can live together to determine whether or not it will, quote-unquote, work. But isn't it curious how we want to see if a, if a marriage relationship will work, but we don't want to do any of the work. We don't want to make any of the effort. In fact, we've never taken the time to learn what it takes to make it work. Well, what we've been doing for 40 years, we've been holding a, a conference. We have them in the Bay Area. We have them uh, in Portland, Seattle, uh, Southern California, 85 locations across the country uh, called a Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaway. And here's what we do very simply. Uh, when a man and a woman get married, he's got a set of blueprints and she's got a set of blueprints. The problem is they're not the same set of blueprints. They think their love will win the day, and because they're beginning to build this house together, they wonder why it's not working. Well, if you had two different uh, architects, two different builders, operating off of two different sets of blueprints, you'd get some pretty funny-looking houses, don't you think, Craig? Yeah, it'd be a disaster. <laughs> it would be. Well, that's what's happened in marriage. I mean, it, here's the thing. Barbara and I have been married for 44 years, and I can tell you, even having the same set of blueprints, which is what we present at the Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaway, uh, we actually uh, we actually help, help pull this out of the Scripture along with 20 other men and women from all over the United States studying the Bible saying, what is the essence of how you build a marriage that goes the distance and is satisfying but also fulfills God's design? Uh, one of the things I'm concerned about, uh, Craig, is we dumped marriage down into this happiness factory. And
And I certainly believe God wants us to be happy and satisfied. But there's a more noble purpose to marriage than just two people being happy. Marriage was put on the planet to reflect who God is and his transcendent purposes for two people made in his image. And I think what's happening in our culture, we've lost that transcendent purpose for marriage. We've lost the transcendent purpose for having children. And in the process, we've dumbed it down to two people being happy. And so you don't make me happy. I'm going to get rid of you and go marry someone who will. And that doesn't work because the divorce rate among second marriages is even higher than that. I understand why people get a divorce. I don't throw any stones at them. We have them coming to our conferences and finding hope and healing in all kinds of ways. But I I think today, Craig, I'm more excited about what we're doing than ever before because I think it's the message of the day. Uh, It is the most basic unit of our country. And I think if we're going to see America return to its morality and its its, uh, uh, spiritual center, we've got to begin with how God made marriage and family to operate because that's where that's where that's the birthplace of where we train children to become men and women who respect each other follow the golden rule do what's right not what's wrong and and not be a fool and uh i just think it's a great opportunity today for those who are listening to your broadcast here to just take a step back and say how can i help this crisis of marriage and they can be a part of the solution bring your friends your family members who come to a weekend remember get trained and get some tools there to bring back to your neighborhood to your church and make an impact upon the people in your community because uh, i'll tell you i i think our country i think our country has lost its soul honestly i think we've ignored god and in the process we're paying the price today if you've just joined the conversation our visit today with dennis rainey dennis of course is the president and co-founder of family life ministries you hear the broadcast along with bob lapine weekday mornings at 8 30 a.m right here on kfax Dennis, as we mentioned, is going to be the upcoming keynote speaker at the 24th Annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Luncheon, scheduled for Tuesday, November the 8th. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our visit with Dennis Rainey of Family Life Today on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Just joined us. We're visiting today with Dennis Rainey, certainly a familiar voice to KFAX listeners. The broadcast Family Life Today, heard weekday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Dennis, of course, is going to be the keynote speaker at our upcoming 24th annual KFAX Pastors Appreciation Luncheon, Tuesday, November the 8th, 11 a.m. at the Marriott Hotel in Fremont. We were talking, Dennis, just before the break about this sense of what's happened with the disintegration of the American family and the fact that more often than not, and I think this is largely because we've lost the ability to to see role models. We're, we're, we're seeing more and more generations coming from broken families or, or perhaps there was never a, a husband and wife relationship to begin with, a child that's born into a single parent family. And so we, we've never learned how to model the proper relationship. And as you say, we then come into a marriage relationship generally focused on what it's going to do to make me happy. And I walk in with my set of blueprints for my agenda my spouse has her blueprints, her agenda, and when we go to work to build this marriage, no wonder it's on shifting sand, rocky soil, and doesn't even have a foundation that will test or stand the first test that comes along. And I guess for the large part, that really gives us a, an insight into what's gone wrong. Now, the big question is, what do we do to change all of this? 
Well, as you were talking, I was thinking about a, a knock at the door that occurred at home one weekend uh, when I was there, and I went to the door, and it was a, a neighbor boy, young man who's in his early 20s. And he stood there and he said, Miss Rainey, I recently got married. Uh, we've had two kids right away. Been married for like four years, and I just got to tell you, I don't know how to do marriage. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to do family. And I know what you do. Do you have some tools that you could you could help me with? Well, I feel like, Craig, that young man is, is kind of exhibit A in our culture today. And you alluded to this earlier. We get married, uh, and as my mentor and, and a guy who uh, coached and trained me in much of my uh, what I've learned about marriage and family, Dr. Howard Hendricks said, he said, in Dallas, Texas, it takes three weeks of intensive training to become a garbage collector. But about all you have to do to get married there is to stand before the pastor or the justice of, of the peace and grunt, I do, and you're in. <laughs> and, and if you think about it, it is the most sacred pledge two human beings make to one another. And so we get married, and, and when it doesn't work out, the I do turns into I don't. And instead of continuing to use the, the C word, commitment, and covenant-keeping love, we replace the C word with the D word and begin to threaten divorce. And there's research that has been done that points out when you start speaking a word to another person in the marriage relationship, like the word divorce, all of a sudden that which was not even thinkable back when you started your marriage relationship becomes a live alternative. And I think there's a great need in America today for us to eliminate the D word from our vocabulary and to replace it with the C word, commitment and covenant-keeping love for a lifetime, because how else do two imperfect people go the distance? And I tell you, Craig, this is where, this is where a relationship with Christ is, is, in my opinion, is how marriage works best. I don't know if we would still be married today. In fact, I can almost guarantee we, we wouldn't be married if I had not become a follower of Christ and if Barbara had not been a follower of Christ. Because what does it mean to follow Christ? It means to surrender to Him, uh, yield our wills to Him, to love as He loved, live as He lived, and to deny yourself. Well, in that posture of two imperfect people denying themselves, there's the chance for that marriage to go the distance. And that's my hope, our hope in our marriage relationship, that both of us will yield to Christ and allow Him to love the other person through us and in His way. And I, I think it's just real hopeful today for young people who have given up on marriage, who, who, who have given up on the institution. There is a God, He made marriage, and He knows how to make it work. You just gotta, you just gotta get the training and get the blueprints to begin to build. Well, and you know, we spoke earlier about this notion that we're seeing fewer and fewer millennials getting married. In fact, we've seen this twenty percent drop in marriage since nineteen sixty, and then those that do get married are waiting later and later. The boomers used to do it in their early twenties. Now the millennials are waiting to as late as twenty eight, twenty nine, sometimes 
30 years old and lacking a proper role model. No wonder that we have the kind of turmoil in the marriage relationship today. But I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that Scripture, as, as Christ teaches us about the marriage relationship, there's one passage where we're told, husbands, you should love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you think about that and think, well, gee, Christ loved the church so much that he gave his very life for the church. Wow, that's pretty staggering. What marriage relationship begins to disintegrate as the wife is complaining that, well, my husband doesn't pay any attention to me. He doesn't have any time for me. The husband says, I get home after work after a hard day at the office, and instead of having dinner ready, she's on the telephone with her girlfriends. Imagine how a relationship would change if the effort that we put into that marriage relationship wasn't about my pleasure, my satisfaction, but rather focused on my spouses, how radically that relationship would change if we simply took the perspective of saying, how would God want me to care for my spouse? How should I be focused on meeting the needs of my spouse as Christ would have me to do that? You would imagine that every marriage relationship in this country, Dennis, would be radically changed for the better. You know it. You know it would. When when I promised Arbor to till death do us part uh, back in 1972, I felt like at that point, Craig, I enrolled in the first grade of love. <laughs> I don't know what grade I'm in now, but I'm out of the first grade. That was puppy love back then. I mean, we've we've been through all kinds of hardship together. She's almost died on four different occasions with her heartbeat racing to 300 beats a minute. Uh, she's had cancer. Uh, we've we've buried a a seven a little girl who lived seven days. who was our granddaughter, weeping with our daughter over the loss of their firstborn child. Uh, we've we've struggled with uh, our children uh, getting to maturity and and uh, had some some rugged challenges there. But but Craig, the, the way you weather the storm is back to what you're talking about. A husband has got to be a man. Uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, challenged men to, to do everything they did with love and, and, and to be a man, act like a man. And when, when Christ tells us to love our wives as, as he loved the church, you said it. That means we've got to give up our lives for our wives. And I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you, Craig, but I, I, I don't know any, any dirt on you to, to share this with your listeners. But I'm selfish. Okay? I got a feeling you are too. And because we can be selfish men, uh, it means if I'm going to love my wife, I have to give up my rights to be served, and I've got to serve her. It means when we've had a hard day, that instead of expecting her to uh, cook the meal and clean the dishes up and put the kids to bed, that maybe I jump up and help with the preparation of the meal, clean the kitchen, and say, you take a break and put your feet up while I take care of the kids tonight. Those are the practical ways of how a marriage, and you hit it, uh, I think it begins with men. One of the great, uh, I think one of the great challenges of our day is how men have been stereotyped as being barbarians. And uh, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that men have been robbed of their dignity God gave them great dignity, and he calls us as men to courageous leadership, which demands self-denial. 
Dennis, you mentioned some of the resources available through Family Life Today. Of course, the Family Life Today a weekend to remember event that takes place here in the Bay Area annually and many other resources. I want to point listeners that would like to get more information in the direction of the Family Life website. You can simply go to familylife.com. That's familylife.com. Find out about upcoming seminars taking place here in the San Francisco Bay Area or very near you. Also, a plethora of resources available. We didn't mention at the start that Dennis is the author of more than 35 books, of many of them bestsellers, dealing right to these issues, including one of his bestsellers, Moments Together for Couples and Staying Close. All of those resources and more available at the Family Life website. Again, familylife.com. That's familylife.com. Well, Dennis, very much looking forward to your visit here to the Bay Area coming up on Tuesday, November the 8th for the 24th Annual Pastors Appreciation Luncheon. Thanks for the time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.